So through the Advent season, we, we begin, as I mentioned at the entrance of the Mass, with a focus the first week of Advent is on the second coming, when, when Jesus will return in glory. We pray for that every time we pray the Lord's Prayer. We look forward and we ask the Lord to, to truly come in his glory. And when we know all things will be changed, transformed. And that imagery we have in the, uh, in the prophet Isaiah, almost an Eden, Edenic, we can call it, uh, reality. Where all of the cosmos will be rearranged. That, that God almost um, uh, transforming a whole new dimension of life beyond any of our expectations that we know it will be good. And as we get close to Christmas, of course, we, we focus on the coming of Jesus in Bethlehem, what we sometimes call the first coming, as opposed to the second coming at the end of time. And the first coming being born of Mary in Bethlehem of Judea, that God comes among us, to be with us and to show us, to teach, to lead, to heal. More than that, to transform, to empower, to gift us with the Holy Spirit at Pentecost, in our baptisms, in our confirmation, as slowly but surely God transforming each of us into the image and the likeness of God. The image we never lose. We always have that from the creation. But the likeness is marred by sin. And it's in the Christian life, the journey of faith, that slowly but surely that, that life constantly is renewed. The freshness and the beauty that we receive in our baptism and sometimes marred by sin as we grow up. But as we grow older, we grow out of a lot of stuff, don't we? And we can only grow out of stuff by grace, by strength and courage. And as we'll see by the words of Scripture. And then there's something called the third comings of Jesus. What I just mentioned. How in baptism, we become adopted children of God. Daughters and sons. In confirmation moved uh, with, with, with strength in, in the Eucharist, that God comes among us in Jesus Christ, fully human, fully divine, his divinity, his, his humanity, and his, his servanthood. When we come forward to communion, what can we do except be very cautious when we raise our hands or when we put out our tongue? We receive the Lord himself, it's an extension of the incarnation. It's an extension of the incarnation and by even further extension that we consume what we will become. We become more God-like as we devoutly receive the body and blood, the precious life of Jesus in our lives. And we come to know him in our prayer. The Advent theme. It's a beautiful way to start off our, our, our Christian year. To hear the word of God proclaimed today on the second Sunday of Advent. And we hear the prophecy of Isaiah. With the, of the, the, the sprout 
of the root of Jesse. Who's Jesse? David's father, right? And so in the Isaiah, in this time, we'll talk about it in a minute, but you know that, that, that Judah and Israel have been, have been cut down. And from that, that cut stump of, of the tree, the, the lineage of David, there will come a sprout. And uh, that is the hope of Israel. We know that, that he's referring to Jesus. You know, the... Um, we have that beautiful imagery of the restoration of creation and of, the, of what we look forward to. That, you know, we have our imagery in our minds, but God is going to blow our minds. <laughs> we got to trust that. And so we have to work to bear good fruit, the fruit of prayer, of service, of forgiveness. You keep filling in the blanks, okay? Things that you need to, to, to work on today and for the week and for the year and for life. Did you hear that Psalm, that 70, Psalm 72? Did you know the, the, the book of Psalms? That's sort of like Jesus' prayer book. It's the Blessed Mother's prayer book. It was every Jew's prayer book. At different points in Jesus' life, as recorded in the Gospels, you hear how he uses portions of the Psalms. The Psalms, there's five little books within the, um, the Psalms. It's divided into five sections. Can you think where else there are five books? Torah, yeah, the Pentateuch. Okay. So this is sort of like the prayer on the law of God being lived out. And this prayer is, uh, we believe, it was the prayer of David for Solomon, for his son to be just. That's the, the, the role of the king. That's the role of government, to ensure justice, reciprocity, equity, to seek to, to ensure um, that, uh, that, that people are treated rightly. And so he's praying for his son. But you and I as Christians are praying, <laughs> we, we see that that that, that true king, the truly wise one, is Jesus. And we trust that he continues to reign now. In and as far as we live our faith, that he is king of the universe and Lord of our hearts, and not only Lord of our hearts, but of our families, our homes, of this parish, of our city. Not to stomp on others, but to, to, to be present through service, through love, the love of the cross, which is willing to take upon itself the burdens of being a servant leader. We're never always received well. That's okay. What was the experience of the Lord? And that gospel passage, John the Baptizer. Do any of you watch, um, what's it called? Um, gosh, it's that, that series on Jesus. The Chosen, yeah. <laughs> the Chosen, you know, it's always, the, um, God, I, I, I have New Covenant in my mind, but The Chosen. And so anyway, but in there, it's always reminding you, after 400 years, 
There has been prophetic utterances, but there hasn't been a prophet. Then all of a sudden, they see this, this prophetic figure. The kingdom is now, edgio. It's present. God's kingdom is now. The kingdom is at hand. And this, he's, he's, he's dressed like Elijah. Go back to, to 2 Kings with the, the, the robe of camel's hair, the, the belt of leather. And, and he eats off the land, the, the fruit of the land. And here, the, the, um, the people, this is at the River Jordan. Remember the, the children of Israel after the long exodus? Where did they enter the land? Remember Joshua, Jericho, right there. And now we have John the baptizer, the prophet to come before pointing to the Lord. And everybody's starting to put these things together. They say, oh my gosh, the time is now. The works of faith. What I'd like to lead us to to, to think about today is also the, the second reading from St. Paul. Did you listen to that? It's a beautiful passage, powerful passage. Brothers and sisters, whatever was written previously was written for our instruction. What's he talking about? The law? The prophets, Isaiah? The scriptures? The Old Testament, we call it, the Jewish scriptures. He says it was written for our instruction that by endurance and by the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to think in harmony with one another, in keeping with Christ Jesus. That with one accord you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So here Paul is writing to Christians in Rome, in the city of Rome, the center of the empire. And like the Christians at Rome, we can get overwhelmed by the tribulations of the day. They were concerned about relations between Gentile Christians and Jewish Christians and this, that, and the other. They were also concerned about persecution. Okay, because Nero was having his little uh, tantrums. But you know, think about it. Why is this written for us today? Because you and I go through tribulations as well. You know, there's um, all sorts of things that come to mind. Jobs, our 401ks. Um, the schools, uh, getting Christmas presents. If you still send cards, I'm trying to. God bless us all, right? But I mean, you know, from funny to, to real, real stuff that can take your mind off of, of living to be fruitful in your Christian life. You get overwhelmed at times, don't you? And even just pers- really Important things like personal issues, family issues, relationships, friendships. Is she for me? Is she he for me? I don't know what's going on here. So 
the important thing is to have endurance, Paul tells us. Which in a way, I was thinking it means to breathe. Take stock of what's going on first. When you find yourself going crazy, look at things with different eyes. Think who's in charge ultimately? Isn't that an important thing to remember? You think it depends all on you? Haven't you learned yet? (laughs) What's my realistic part to play? What's, as they say, the next right thing to do? (laughs) So Paul cautions patient endurance. And then what? He says, take comfort, encouragement, encourage, take to the heart. Take to the heart the scriptures. To find in the scriptures the living word of God, living word of God. The encouragement to lift up your spirit and to do something. <laughs> you can read a lot of stuff and people can tell you what to do, but one way or the other, we've got to get moving. Because scripture, when you think of it, Scripture is the word of God in and through the word and experience of people over centuries. And isn't it absolutely fascinating that you and I can come to the scriptures that God inspired 2,000 years ago, 3,000 years ago, 3,500 years ago. And we listen and we say, Well, that's a lot different from my own experience, but I'm listening and I understand that. Can you imagine what a powerful thing your mind is, what God created for you, and how God can teach us with the truth of of antiquity that he has brought about in people's lives. We probably haven't gotten through anything that people in the past didn't go through because once you take away our cars and our bank accounts and this and that and the other you know it's like if you you plunk you right down in the in the middle of Saudi Arabia or something you know you still got your your mind your body your soul you got what God and your parents have helped infuse within you in your faith and your trust you'll make it So the important thing is to listen to the word of God. The word that's used here is parakletos. You can hear the word paraclete. Who's the paraclete? The Holy Spirit, right? The living God. The paraclete is the consoler, right? The confessor. To summon. And why do we do this? Why do we? First of all, in, in, in endurance, take stock of things and turn to Scripture for the wisdom of the ages so that we can think broader than our little, little world that we're in and have hope. Hope is looking forward to something that we do not possess and to do so with confidence that God will bring it about. 
But Paul's saying in the tribulations of the moment, keep your focus on the real. You, your husband, your wife, your dear ones, your friends, your fiance, your, your dear friends that you're getting to know, your children, your grandchildren, your elders. And stand firm because God never abandons us. That was Isaiah's hope when everything looked, you know, I mean, the Assyrians and the Babylonians, they'd taken away everything outside of Jerusalem. Ready to give up. No way, Jose. Stop. <laughs> Stand firm. You know what fear? I heard an acronym. Oh, it's an acronym. For false expectations appearing real. <laughs> you know, something doesn't come along that you think ought to happen. You're ready to throw in the towel, right? That's unreal. And God is a God of what is real. The created world. And Jesus showed us what the created world and the evil of people's sinfulness can do. But he does not fight with, a, with a, the might that he could at his disposal, but he shows the way to conquer evil is through love, forgiving love, selfless love. That's the scripture passage that we go to. That's why we celebrate in Advent where we gain the parakleo, the encouragement to sustain us and to give us hope that God's promises are true and real. When you think of that, do you see why the church gave us these readings for Advent today? To keep us real, right? Just like Isaiah, our hope is pinned in God's promises that are made real in the cross and extended not only here on the Eucharistic table, but in each one of us who very devoutly come forward to receive the Lord in humility and acknowledging that he is everything to us. Let us do so very humbly and let us await the joy of the Christmas to come.